Welcome to the Big Stomp, the Bunkerzilla radio show that roars at the latest stories and discussions in geek culture today. So, what are we waiting for? Let's start stomping. Good evening and welcome to the Big Stomp Live here on the Bunkerzilla Twitch channel. Now, you're probably wondering where the ranty man is. Don't worry, he's absolutely fine. He's taking a little bit of a well-deserved break. So it is I, Ian Bolton, otherwise known as the Bunkerzilla Station Controller, manning the console tonight and keeping the stomping going on. So this is the Big Stomp, where we talk about the monstrous world of geek and pop culture, with guests joining us to talk about topics that they feel are quite important to talk about today. So why don't we bring in our guests. So first and foremost, he is the co-host and co-producer of a number of very good podcasts on Bunkerzilla. We've got Hustlers of Culture, Royal History UK, and Binges and Box Sets. It is, of course, UK David. Hello, Hugh. Hello. How are we doing? Ha- I'm doing lovely. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. Wonderful. Welcome back to the show. I don't, I think this is like your third, fourth outing Yeah, it's on? been a while. It's been a while. My, my, my other co-hosts on Real History Jenna does a, a few more than I do, but yeah, yeah. I try, I'll try to turn it on again. <laughs> ah, lovely. But welcome back. Welcome back Thank to the you. world of the Big Stomp. Right. Joining him, we have the wonderful bundle of good-hearted joy that is Harriet, better known to everyone on the social media realms as Manga Girl. Hello, Harriet. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. And, and you are, and as well, you are returning to the Big Stump again. You've been on a couple of times. Looking yeah. forward to the fun discussions tonight. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. And last but not least, she is our resident redhead rambler, but she's also the reigning, defending, undisputed quiz smash champion. It is, of course, the redhead rambler herself, Lizzie. It's all lies. It's all lies. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, we will continue to call you that until Friday. You might have your title. You might not have your title. It's so exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. How are you doing, Lizzie? I am very well. And how is chat today? Uh, well, let's see. If you're in the chat, do give us a roar. And of course, do get involved in the conversation throughout the show. We would love to hear from you on the topics that we talk about. And we will share comments on the screen as we go along. And Lizzie has already given out a first roar of the evening. Hello, Al wants to play games. Hope you are doing well this evening. So why don't we go straight into the fun? And uh, speaking of uh, fun, let's talk about the fun that EA is currently having lizzie if you would please kick us off oh ea ea where do we start with ea um so ea are getting sued again well they've had a lawsuit filed against them due to their loot boxes because everyone loves a loot box i'm sorry my internet's having a having a moment on me um yeah so a lawsuit filed in canada relates to EA games going back to about 2008 saying that yeah this is un- this is unlicensed gambling and uh Canada apparently has very strict laws about unlicensed gambling well well this is not the first time i think we have talked about loot boxes i think the last time we talked about loot boxes was many 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 months ago on the big stomp i think even before we did uh, the twitch side of things so yeah loot boxes nothing nothing particularly new there but it's it just seems to be a constant form in um in video gaming at the moment i suppose i guess it just robs the fun oh really i don't know what you guys think it does seem like a gamble oh it is a gamble every time you go on you just it's always that urge of 
you'd want to try again to see if you can get that special skin or to get that special weapon and it's just it's dangerous it really is yeah. I, mean, I i um oh so i i did play overwatch not much but you know when the special uh seasons like the halloween or the valentines would come out and you think oh you just put a bit more in and then suddenly you just have to think no i have to stop because you could put hundreds of pounds in without you realizing mm. and you know people could do it i mean kids are doing it i mean i think with fortnite as well that's loot boxes as well isn't it <laughs> yeah I, I think it is to degree um correct me if i'm wrong guests and definitely in the chat i think the majority of certain loot boxes especially in games like fortnite and overwatch they don't really give you much of an advantage i i guess it's a different it's a different tact if you look at something like the ea sports range like fifa madden and stuff because like, they have their ultimate teams and that's another level of insanity that i'd never really want to go near at all to be perfectly <laughs> honest it's like yes i don't mind playing fifa now and then but i am not to a level where i'm going i must be addicted to the ultimate team because uh, I, I i tried playing it i didn't understand it and i just went no no i'll stick with season mode thank you i mean you're bringing up that you know things like um cosmetics in loot boxes you're like oh it doesn't really matter but actually cosmetic items in loot boxes is mentioned in the lawsuit distinctly oh. because mm. cosmetic it says apex legend cosmetic items are associated with player prestige and in particular rare cosmetics items will provide a player with more prestige than common one it states players who use the default avatars are looked down on by other players there is therefore an incentive for players to purchase multiple loot boxes in order to obtain a more valuable and more prestigious rare cosmetic item wow so because okay. like, like every because like a lot of people have gone well loot boxes it's just cosmetic stuff like it's not it's not really pay to win there are pay to win loot boxes out there yeah you know we've all we've all seen them i know star wars battlefront 2 had a massive one so they had to redo it because everyone hated it that was quite <laughs> notorious i remember mm -hmm. um and interestingly enough star wars battlefront 2 that is really the one that kicked off the backlash against loot boxes is not mentioned in this lawsuit load of other oh. games are but not that one wow um Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I believe, I think they did a massive overhaul to Battlefront 2. And from then on, throughout most of the months, the experience and the gameplay has got better and the, and the experience has got better. It was just very badly broken at the start. The whole sort of loot box mechanics side of things was so badly broken at the start that it really soured a launch. I know, I know there was lots of reports when the game launched that EA and EA, well, Disney were not particularly happy with EA because that we, it was getting lots of negative press. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I can list you. It the, the lawsuit covers a wide variety of games released between 2008 and the certification of the suit, which was a, a, bit, a bit earlier in October. About uh, the article I'm quoting is from the 22nd, so I think it was wow, sort of mid October. Oh. So it's FIFA 09 to 21. Madden NFL 10 to 21, NHL 11 to 21, NBA Live 14 to 19, UFC 2 and 3, Apex Legends, Battlefield 4, Battlefield Hardline, Battlefield 1, Dragon Age Inquisition, Mass Effect 3, wow. Mass Effect Andromeda, Need for Speed Payback, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare and Garden Warfare 2, Plants vs. Zombies 2, It's About Time, Star Wars The Old Republic, Command and Conquer Rivals, <laughs> Heroes, of, Hero, Heroes of Dragon Age, oh, oh, Star Wars Galaxy Heroes, The Sims Mobile, 
and war free war friends. But there is a catch-all phrase too. Uh, Such other games developed and published by the defendants that may become known to the plaintiff. So just because it's not listed in there doesn't mean they can't sue you over it. I'm surprised I didn't hear Dungeon Keeper Mobile in that list. (laughs) And and that's another notorious one from EA. (laughs) Well, see, the the lawsuit, all the articles that I read about it just said it was bought against EA by two plaintiffs in Canada. I have then found a article that actually names the two people that bought this lawsuits i'm not entirely sure if we want to read their names out on like no no no, this. no, no. no but one of them is lives in british columbia who purchased loot boxes in the madden nfl series of game and the guy from ontario spent money on the same model in the nhl games and i know people spend a lot of money on those that's yeah that sounds like it's the ultimate teams and i know uh, particularly on twitch where we obviously are broadcasting tonight there are channels dedicated to obviously the whole experience of the ultimate team but regardless of the game if it's fifa nhl or and so forth so it's like the fact is that it, it it's been an absolute big business for obviously ea whether people agree with it or not and and i think one way the the everlasting effect of of loot boxes as well is it it does hamper newer games it does hamper the sort of uh single player or absolutely genuinely free multiplayer experience i mean i remember i mean yes anthem crashed and burned upon launch but i think there was lots of stories coming out from anthem where ea was sort of saying the heads up from ea's were going yeah it's like oh we like fortnite make it like that or we or, or we like ultimate team in fifa can we have an ultimate team in your sci-fi world mm. yeah it's and like, also make it like destiny make it like fortnite. Yeah. It was like yeah i mean poor anthem ne- never really had a chance i mean i i i haven't spoken at length on my opinion of ea they're evil basically is the gist of it so i'm not surprised at any of this by ea to be perfectly honest at this point I think with I think with some of the latest Star Wars games, I think in particular Squadrons, which has come out, which I own, um, Squadrons doesn't have a loot box system. It, you're encouraged to obviously play the multiplayer game a lot, but I, I've kind of stuck to my VR headset with with the single player. So I think I think EA have kind of withdrawn a little bit on certain games having loot boxes, but obviously if it's an EA Sports title, you are going to see. You're going to see the loot box or the the ultimate pack side of things. I know. Um. So you can compare it. You can compare it to other games like, say, Fall Guys, Fall Guys is a good example. And we'll talk about Fall Guys a bit later on the show, uh, thanks to Harriet. Um. But with Fall Guys, yes, there are very desirable cosmetics. But instead of saying, "Oh, why don't you buy a loot box and maybe you'll get a chance to dress as Sonic the Hedgehog or Godzilla," who knows? Um. You actually, if you really, really want it you could just pay for it. Hmm. And I think, and I think in that sense, I mean, it's like in that, that sort of way, I don't, I think I'm okay with that sort of way, because again, I can, I can put my hand up a little bit and say, when I used to play the decent WWE games, from, <laughs> is that such you know, a thing? Well, <laughs> before 2020 thing. came, before <laughs> WWE 2020 came, um, sometimes I just, because I just wanted to get straight into like the custom building side of things. And I wanted all the, I wanted all the attributes and all the different moves already unlocked. I just paid for the accelerator, which was like seven, seven, eight quid. And it's like, I'm not going to pretty much play certain game modes which require, which would help me unlock those. But because I'm not playing those game modes and I want to just focus on the whole custom creativity side of things, I just went effort and just did it that way. 
So I, I guess it's down to the game's preference, but I think the, the loot box mechanic has always dogged gaming for for months at this point, or for years at this rate, or de- or nearly nearly a decade if the lawsuit is to be followed. Hmm. Two thousand and eight seems to be the agreed upon start of the loot box plague. Mm. But I mean, I think the reason this is becoming such an issue is that okay, we've got this new lawsuit that's coming up in Canada. Uh, the there are it also cites other international precedents such as J- Japanese and Korean enforcement of loot box regulations, the Netherlands and Belgium's recent laws against loot boxes, and the loot box in- inquiries that are in progress currently in the UK and the US. It's like, I, like, personally, I think loot boxes are incredibly predatory against people who maybe have an addictive personality. And as speaking as someone with an addictive personality, I have fallen into the loot box trap. Like, I, you know, because you get that like dopamine rush of like, oh, oh yeah. 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 So, like, I think they're awful, especially when you put them in games for kids. Because let's be honest, kids yeah. have no self control whatsoever. Mm. I'm 36. I have no self control. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, occasionally I have to hide my own freaking debit card so I don't put any more money into a game. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've got a comment here from Just Mark, which I'm going to put on the screen. So, paid items in a free to play game are kind of understandable. It's the paid stuff in the 60 AAA titles, and the loot boxes are worse because you pay. But you don't even have a guarantee of getting an item. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's true. I think there's also, I think some particular games, I think Ubisoft were, were kind of guilty with this with the last Do Sex game, where you kind of played some of the game and then you, like, if you wanted to actually properly finish the story, look, some DLC. So yeah, I guess it's, it's, I guess it's different to loot boxes. But again, it's like if the loot boxes in one way are trying to help you kind of, complete a game or even if it's it's like it's just having the paywall it's really just having the paywall yeah on a, on a game experience is is getting frustrating now i can understand dlc works well if it's done right i mean uh, doom eternal's just launched um its latest or its very first dlc which is uh, which is like 20 quid but is a sizable additional chunk of game mm. uh, i think control have done something similar with their game as well um from remedy but then there are some there are some games that put up DLC and the old the ultimate DLC is like here is an extra level that has nothing to do with the game but I think you'll like it anyway that sort of way. I it just you know what I uh, there's there's I, I think there's a point in time as a consumer where we kind of have to go you know what guys we know we're paying for your livelihood we know you want to make money mm-hmm. but you know. There is only so much you can take from us before we go. What's the point? Why are we going to buy your next game? Like you know, it's, it, I think as as Lizzie says, is there's a lot of people who have difficulty with controlling. You know, this is. I feel like saying you're preying on. Um, it's not so much preying on the innocent. But you're preying on people who have con- compulsive behavior, and there's somebody who does have that. Don't even talk to me about 4K discs in at the moment. You know how bad <laughs> I am. With this. Um, yeah, we all have. We, you know, you can see behind me. I mean, this is you know, this is accumulation of years. It's an. It, 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 I feel like they've. It's such a deliberate targeting that I feel really. I feel it's really unfair. You know, it's the same way when I got certain discs in when I was at ADV Films, and we get certain licenses on the list, and you go, that is a pointless license to have for the UK. Nobody's going to buy it in the UK, barring maybe three people. And you want me to really market it to them? 
okay, fine, we'll go for the obvious. Those three people, I want your money, please. Give me your money. You know, it's 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 just seems over the top. And I I, I get that games are are exp- they're especially AAA these days, you know, expensive to produce and they take time and they take effort, but why would you come back if every time there's a gate placed somewhere, you know? Why would you keep mm. playing? Other than, oh my god, I really want to play the game so badly, I'll keep shouting nope. out well, cash. Think... But... <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, microtransactions have been around in gaming for years. Uh, mm. Like Ubisoft, as Ian said, is a great one, especially their Assassin's Creed series. Like, mm. they will put out it's not done like obviously DLC. I think is a different thing. Like when it's story DLC is a side. I think it's like a different thing to microtransactions and expansion packs. A slightly different sprint. But like Ubisoft, they always in the Assassin's Creed. They're like, oh yeah, if you use your uh, Ubisoft points, I can't remember what they call mm-hmm. them. You mm-hmm. can get this really cool weapon that your assassin can run around with. It's slightly better than ones you get in game, but it's not. It's not pay to win. It's just kind of cool. And if you're a completionist mm-hmm. like me, you're like, yeah, I'll save save up my points because you can earn the points by doing things in game. You mm-hmm. can also spend real money on them, you know. But I, mm-hmm. I try and have some self control. Not much, but <laughs> <laughs> occasionally it happens. Like self control and I meet up, and it's this wonderful, it's this wonderful alignment of the planets. And then suddenly it's like, bye. But yeah, I I just think loot boxes themselves, it's so predatory a mechanic. Like there is no yeah. saving them. Like I don't think you can save loot boxes. Yeah. And no, should we save loot boxes? Do we I mean, does anyone think loot boxes are a good idea except EA? <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is it. Yeah. Uh, I mean yeah. The, I mean the interesting thing is it's already been they've already banned loot boxes in Belgium and the Netherlands, I believe. Yeah, which are two areas. It's like, yeah, it just—it's just like it, it. I don't. I don't. I mean, obviously, from like you said, Lizzie, early on, is that, that that sort of effect of oh, you're getting good at something because you because you've got some lucky item from this thing, so you want to keep going. You want to keep going, but it's it's just like I I personally don't don't see the interest in loot boxes. To be honest. I mean, can well, you imagine with books? Can you imagine if Kindle suddenly went, "Hey, you want to read this next chapter?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although, let's be honest, they're probably getting the idea now. They're probably still trying to figure it out. But it is just this paranoid thing of, oh, once we hook them, we need to drain them of all their cash. It's like, you know what? Just put me on freaking salary and keep it, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I don't want to I sound know. like old and like oh darn kids get off my lawn, but do you remember when no you used problem. to buy a when you used to buy a video game and like the video game was you just you bought the video game and yeah. that was it like mm-hmm. you didn't have to pay extra I don't day one patches will discuss maybe in another in another big stomp but like mm. I just remember you could buy a video game for thirty forty quid and it was just sort of there. And then there might be an expansion that came out or a, a second one in the series, and then you just bought that. Like, mm. what happened to that? When did this become the thing? Like, oh, yeah, you're paying 60 quid for a game that's barely finished, and, you know, the rest of it will come out in patches in the next six months. Mm. Oh, Well, blame Microsoft for teaching us all to get used to the idea of, hey, this thing's not finished, but we'll call it finished and sell it to you. <laughs> we all bought into it. What a load. What a crock, you know? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, was it? I don't 
No, I'm sorry. I, I thought I had a point. I was gonna, I was gonna add on to that, but um, but no, uh, but yes, sorry. Um, yeah. I think the last thing, like, to point, for me to point out about this like story is that this is this is a class action lawsuit. It is a civil suit. It has no bearing on like government regulation that is coming in or being investigated either in the UK, the US or anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the writers of one of the articles says that a successful result for the plaintiffs may put pressure on the government to introduce new legisl le legislation, big words, can't do mm -hmm. big words. And I think I kind of want them to win. But on the other hand, I don't because I think and I cannot prove this. I think what's happened is they have had no self-control and spent an inordinate amount of money and then gone, oh, I'm in a hole because I have basically gambled away my life savings or something mm -hmm. like that. Like that's the sort of feel I get from what brief part of the lawsuit I skimmed because legalese and I do not get on. Mm. And it's like, mm, did you just did you do this to yourself and now you're hope you're wanting to blame the big bad corporation? And it's like, mm, I hate seeing both sides of things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it. I think sometimes with class suits, it's like. I'm not again. I'm not a legal expert, so apologies if if I'm saying something that is completely does not make sense or it doesn't work at all. But I kind of guess you don't always get the full information from someone like a class suit unless it's unless the judge has deemed it's viable to be shared in public interest. Mm. Um, I mean, basically, but, we'll know what the terms of the suit are because they have to announce that, and then after that, yeah, true. Who knows the details? So yeah, um, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I, it's an interesting point. There's years when you say, you know. Is this is this just sour grapes? It, it is an interesting question, and ultimately, I think it comes back to the narrative. It's like if we are following a narrative through a game, and suddenly to get to a particular strand of or offshoot of the narrative, we have to pay more money. It's a toll booth. It's the troll under the bridge, and you're just like, well, why? I bought, I already paid you for the game, hmm. and I and I feel that's really kind of in, in in other games which are more open open world and where there's like a more a greater variety of options i can sort of see how you might say well guess what you know, you bought the game but now here's something really cool you didn't know about but again that's used to be a reward that used to be a thing that you did for doing hours of grinding or what have you now it's like now you have to pay for it that just seems it just it just seems so penny pinching for people who are spending a lot of money to begin with on the game i mean if you buy it full price games are not cheap you know, we're expecting to get hours out of them. Why you want us to pay more? Why don't you just put it into the initial cost up front? You know, if we're willing to pay sixty quid already, I mean, I I don't know. I just think it's it really does feel nakedly capitalistic in the worst sense. <laughs> I I have I have a question or uh, something. A question to you guys to kind of ponder. Do you think things like the loot box scenario or the loot box situation has come about because games are getting more expensive to make? see the argument of that games are getting more expensive to make i don't believe because that you get like indie developers who create things like among us and they're not like i i don't know how much among us cost to make but it, it's a very small team it's a very small studio and it's one of the hottest games out there so mm. i would like to call bullcrap on games games are getting more expensive to make and it's like no you're just inflating them into such a way that let me rephrase the question i'll rephrase the question <laughs> all right just when i thought you have the just when you thought you had the answers i changed the question no. <gasps> um 
If you do that on Friday, I'm going to skin you. (laughs) Please don't. Please don't. (laughs) Quiz Smash Friday, 8 o'clock here on Twitch. Come join us. Um, Okay, let me rephrase the question. Is it because when it comes to the AAA games like EA and, and so forth, because they are putting lots of money not just into creating the game, but they're also marketing the game. So they're doing all these big, high-paid promotions, uh, collabs and so forth, big, big sort of marketing pushes across all the different channels, across every, every avenue they can get a game of fruit. Mm. Do you think the loot box has come about because of that, because of those sort of costs? Because, he, because obviously the game needs to make money, but they need to obviously bring in additional money so they can go make more games or something like that, or, or do more of the same. I hope I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. Just yeah, just, just, but that's what you have sponsorship for, right? I mean, that's where CD Projekt Red are doing what they're doing with Cyberpunk, and you've got Keanu and his motorbike company and all the other stuff, and they're going out to all these other people. I mean, you know, it, it, you as a Bond fan, Ian, you know full well that so many things in the films are paid for through sponsorship. You know, the fact that you know your film, your product will be seen by umpteen billion people, so that you don't have to stop the film and reach out to the audience and say, pay us if you want to see Bond use this really nice car. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, it's, it's, there are ways around that and game, the game companies know that this is just blatant, you know, it's blatantly giving you, ripping you off at a certain level, I think. Uh- and also, I mean, the, the thing that the, the companies that are really pushing the loot box mm. is people like EA or, um, I mean, I, I don't know if Microsoft really does much in the way of loot boxes. but I don't like, think they have done. No, see, the, the thing is, it, it all comes back to my EA is evil argument, which <laughs> I know I'm gonna, I, I like, I, literally, they are the devil. And it's just... I all I can imagine is somebody somewhere in a meeting they were like hmm people aren't giving us all their money how do we make it so we get all their money that's exactly I what know. happened it's like basically they went we want your money to be our money and this is another way for us to trick you into giving it to us because as yeah. you say it's that it's that short satisfying burst of adrenaline and dopamine because yeah. oh, I got a shiny yeah. thing Ooh, what other shiny things I can get it's like trading that's card games back in the day like pokemon or those bloody yeah. stupid sticker football sticker things that you used to get i can't yeah. remember what they're called it's like pogs, it's like pogs and tazos isn't it oh my god oh, oh i like my little pony for little girls or barbie it's like all those things as a kid where it's like you've got to collect them all because if you collect them all you're the cool kid on the block <laughs> no you know no, you never were but I mean... no you never were but like <laughs> I, you know i still remember the girl in my class at school who had a barbie dream house the barbie car the barbie stable the barbie horses we all hated her because she had it <laughs> but the thing is you don't i don't see the same hatred in the terms of loot boxes with the kids i teach they all um they all seem to be very much aware that because you're paying for it if someone's got it it's because they can afford it and i think what happens is uh, you what you don't see what, what, you, what you see with them instead is that um when they when you talk to them about games that don't involve loot boxes but involve achievement where you are you know it's like you know my, one of the english teachers used to be an, a, a hardcore world of warcrafter you know and if he talks to someone who's playing world of warcraft and he says well this is my arm and they're like oh my god how what you know, the amount of work you did for that um and i think so so weirdly loot boxes are understandable to them but also something where they go well yeah but you just paid for that there's no respect as a gamer 
for your achievement. It's like you just paid for it. Big deal. Whereas they understand that that is, you know, you, if, you, if you achieve something in another game, which you don't have to pay for, you just have to get there and play the game to get it. Then they respect it more. And in some ways, I think that's quite healthy. I'm quite glad that the kids I teach actually are smart enough to get that they're being manipulated into buying these things and to make some core decisions about it. It's like, well, I want that. Okay, fine. Can you afford it? All right, fine. Get it. Can't afford it? Tough. You know, I just won't get it. And I think that's fairly sensible of them. Yeah, I think that's the other problem I have against loot boxes is it, as you say, it takes the challenge out of stuff. Like yeah. if 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 you can just put throw four ninety nine at it and then you get it, it's mm -hmm. like well, you get it's a very it's like it's like eating popcorn. Popcorn mm -hmm. will fill you up, but it's really insubstantial and it'll only last you about twenty minutes, and then you actually want something proper like mm -hmm. i'd much rather spend god knows how many hours grinding to get an achievement in a game and get something to say hey look you did this you did the thing mm -hmm. than i ever would to spend 4.99 on a loot box or 8.99 mm -hmm. or however much the stupid things cost in whichever game you're in because that's the thing mm -hmm. they seem to fluctuate in price that's that's mm -hmm. the worst part for me is like you can buy the oh stupid crappy 4.99 one but then we've got a 24.99 one which gives you a exponentially tiny amount of chance to get the rare thing but it's a chance so then your stupid monkey brain goes ooh mm. <laughs> it's like unfortunately you have not won the shiny thing here is the most common of commons yeah that's <laughs> that oh. and then the carbon rod yeah, it's like I used to play a load of mobile, like mobile games, and I fell into that trap. Luckily, I have grown as a person and decided that no, I'm not going to put those on my phone anymore. Bejeweled, Bejeweled got me. Oh dear God, did Bejeweled get me? Uh, look, I, I look, I freely admit I'm a trash human being. <laughs> No, you you are as an ideal customer that they're aiming at. You know when they had that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I was literally the poster child for that meeting. <laughs> it was a picture like, of you on the just wall. A, they were like, "That's who we're showing." Guys, we need more money for Bejeweled. What can we do? How can we appeal to this person over here? Uh, I don't know. Shiny things? Yes, Bob. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm all about the shiny things. Fair, <laughs> you know. It's what we do with DVDs and stuff. I mean, it's, it's it's no surprise games do it too. But I do, I just I do think it rankles to be told all we want from you is just more money. Like we're not even going to make DLC for you. Just pay up. You know, it feels like being held hot. Like you know, if, can you imagine what a Red Dead Redemption loot box would actually be like? It would literally be you being held up by someone. Howdy, <laughs> <like, laughs> like, partner. Yeah. Like, give give us your money. Yeah, you, might, you might get this shiny, shiny pony, or you might get this mule. Yeah. Howdy, partner. I See, think you want a brand new hat. Though. Sadly, that makes sense to me. Like, yeah, I'm trying to rob you. Pay up. But at least it'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, actually, to be fair, I would rather they came to my house and held me up at gunpoint to buy my money. Because, as you say, that would at least be them being honest about the damn thing. I think no, we've broken Harriet. <laughs> no, I think no, I think it'll just be for Red Dead Redemption. It will just be a bit of a uh, it's like you'll have your sort of common and rare and legendary items. But the last one is like, ah, oh, oh dear, oh dear, Bill. Unfortunately, we're going to have to rob you now because you hit the uh, get robbed by an outlaw. So stick them up. <laughs> Give us your credit card number and your social security. <laughs> You've got nothing, but we've taken your money. <laughs> because <laughs> i suppose that that's the other thing isn't it like when if you pay money for these things which 
I realize, uh, speaking as someone who's admitted to paying for stuff in games, you don't actually get anything. Like, you don't physically own anything. It's something that sits on a server somewhere. And if they decide to close down that server, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It's like the uh, Malibu Stacy in The Simpsons. It's like, it's a brand new door. Oh, there's the same door, but it's got a new hat. Yes. You know? <laughs> oh, The Simpsons when it was still good. <laughs> I think yep. I remember watching, I remember watching a Watch Mojo list when they were going through like some of the most ridiculous DLC things you paid for. And like at number one was like dead or alive, the fighting game. And you paid 10 pounds to unlock a single hair color. <laughs> it's like, I, admit, see... I admit nothing. I admit nothing. <laughs> Lizzie. <laughs> I... You saw that list and she was just like, um, yeah, yeah, I admit it's nothing. Like... It's like, do you want your fighter to have purple hair? I do. Ten pounds now. Okay, I didn't buy the ten pound hair, but I have bought stuff like that for fighting games, like Soul Calibur and things like that. Like, I admit, I've done it. Like, but that was a long time ago. I've grown as a person. I, five minutes ago. I, I will give props to oh, someone yeah. like I will give props to someone like Mortal Kombat for releasing new fighters and actually. Put the effort into it with all the different audio that they've recorded and stuff like that. I mean, they've just announced Stallone as being Rambo for Mortal Kombat 11. Mm -hmm. And it's just, this well, makes no sense, but I'm all in. Yeah, <laughs> how are they going to record the audio for that? Poor Sylvester Stallone, are they just going to stick him in a booth and tell him to be Rambo? He's just going to be so confused. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. To be honest, when you listen to it, it sounds like they just sampled the audio from films. Oh. It doesn't really sound like this is fresh they, VA work. Yeah, they didn't get they didn't get Arnie when they brought in the Terminator for Terminator Dark Fate. They just went, right. we need someone generic, someone who doesn't really sound like Arnie, but can kind of sound like Arnie. Something on those lines. But yeah. I mean, as you say, like that, at least you get something that you and yeah. like you can feel works put into it. But like another way of doing it is, um, I play Guild Wars Two, which is no subscription. You pay for the game and you don't have to pay for anything. And they have they have something called the Gem Store. But you can swap your in-game gold that you earn just running around the world for real for the gems, which you can also buy with real-world money. So it's like, I yeah, okay. So there's an eight ninety nine thing on the gem store that I want. How many? How much gold do I need to get that? That um, it's, well, it's eight hundred gems. How much do I need? That's okay. I need that much gold. Go out and run a few dungeons and whatnot. And oh look, I've got the gold. Okay, it might take me longer than just going bleep on PayPal, but that at least you know, is another way to do it. It costs me no money or anyone else any money and you can still get the shiny thing and go, ooh, look at me. Anyway, <laughs> we must draw a line under the chat of loot boxes and fun DLC. It's kind of like a, a nightmare we might we have to reopen in a future episode. Who knows? Oh, uh, but uh, but uh, do let us know in the chat your thoughts. Uh, we may return to some of the topics towards the end of the show, so do get your comments in. Right, uh, let's move over to our next topic now. And I am going to open the floor up to Mr. Hugh David. Oh, Hugh, hello. over to hey, you. Hello, folks. Thank you very much. So, uh, my topic is what is the future for movie releases uh, in terms of uh, cinema before we get to the home and is this really the death of cinemas as we have known them? Uh, this has been talked about a lot this year, increasingly as um, uh, lockdown has gone on in various countries and as various ma major theatrical release dates globally have moved into next year or even beyond. 
But what prompted me to think about this for the show was this morning, a jokey piece in The Guardian um, about the fact that somebody in Coventry has started a GoFundMe page to get as many people as possible to buy the screening rights of No Time to Die from MGM so that it can be shown on television at Christmas for as many people as possible. Now, leaving aside the unrealistic notion of you know the fact that somehow you will convince tv channels to go to a, for a bunch of nobodies who've just somehow done this to go yeah we'll take the, the the masters off you and all the rest of it just just leaving that aside for one moment the thing that is amusing about this for me is it doesn't yeah we, we actually know what the cost of the film roughly would be because we know we've heard about the negotiations with netflix and apple plus and mm. actually we know that MGM was looking for around $607 million, right? Um, these guys have... <laughs> these guys that have would have been a cheap Bond film. Sorry, $700. I was going to say, well... Well, I better get my phone out. The thing is, six, they, they, they put <laughs> million pounds in, so obviously they don't realise there's a significant difference. So MGM will walk away with an extra nearly a couple of million dollars worth. But hey, leaving that aside for the moment, if there are 67 million people in Britain, not that we have a tenner each, but that's how potentially possible this is, crazy though it sounds, right? Mm. If everybody in Britain put a tenner in, that's it. We've nationalised the next James Bond. You know, we can go to the BBC and say, well, you know, we're all paying the license fee. Can you screen it for us, please, at Christmas? Off we go. Now, I know this is all, you know, it's it's a humorous article. It's spent humorously. The chances yeah. are they'll never make the money, even globally. They had £15 since they started. Well done to them. Good luck to them. But I admire me... their moxie. Yeah, we admire the yeah. effort. A for effort. Exactly. But it made me think harder about where we are going with all of this, because I mean, Lizzie will know from previous uh, episodes I've been on that, and and Ian may remember as well um, that I th that I've often said that you know we when I left the film business in 2013, it was I we were already looking at um, Netflix was coming up hard and fast on everyone's over everyone's shoulder, and everyone was sort of trying to figure out how, where we go. And I said, look, we're going to end up in a situation where cinema, as we know it, is not going to exist the way you think it is whether you like it or not it's just it's inevitable because i'd already seen what had happened in south korea in 2005 right the the, the market the, the the bottom of the market dropped out for home video they went to day and date pay-per-view for cinema releases so the film comes out in the cinema you can go to the cinema if you want or you can just pay full ticket price at home and watch it hmm. and then blu-rays became limited editions or small runs and that's the only any and for a while there there were no blu-rays coming out of south korea literally it was a major hit of a few years ago that only had a dvd for a while i was just like wow because people can get it in other ways and you have a choice of seeing it at home or going out and enjoying yourself when, when covid came along i was like well that's just going to accelerate that process I already don't go to the cinema very often because it's a, a lot of it's relatively speaking more money than I want to spend for a substandard experience. I don't get to go to a good cinema with good quality. I get to go to a lousy cinema with terrible projection, just nice stuff, but terrible projection and awful kids in, and other people in the audience messing around. So I don't see why I can take that money and save that money and put it towards a release of some sort on home video, be it my Netflix monthly fee or a Blu-ray or what have you. Um, and I know I'm not alone. 
and I know there's a lot of people who are more than happy. Yeah, you know, some, some of us have been watching stuff at home first run for for years. I mean, this, you know, the moment VHS came out, it was like, well, I'm not going to go to the cinema for that film. I'll just wait. You know, it becomes the thing: is is it worth seeing it out, or do you wait till it get you go? You know, it comes home. So here's the thing that I'm interested by in all of this: just how radically is this all going to change next year? Right. Just how different is next year looking to us? Because they've pushed all these dates back. Wonder Woman and uh, Black Widow. And we've got Bond being pushed back and Quiet Place 2 and Edgar Wright's next film. And you just think, are we going to still want to go into cinemas next year, particularly after a second wave of COVID, let alone the first one that's and the second wave that's worse? And if not, yes, is this the, this is probably the death of cinema. But what replaces it and do the films that get made change because you're not going to be able to get that money in from the cinemas to begin with i, I think we don't know I where think, this is all going i think we we talked before about the model of cinema probably having to change because obviously in this situation that way with covid films do need to find a way to make money or they've wasted in the case of no time to die they've spent 500 600 million 700 million on this film and it has been on the shelf now for and it's going to be technically on a shelf for a year mm -hmm. so so the whole the whole story about mgm exploring the option of selling the rights off to someone like netflix or apple makes sense I, I, I'm surprised it's taken this long for the conversation to actually start happening. Obviously, it, it amounted to nothing, but it was just kind of, all right, fair enough. It, it, it's like, if the film's going to be delayed over a year now, it might as well look at the other options. But I think, in essence, a lot of people are kind of going, oh, there's no new films. I'm looking at the UK box office, and there are three new films in the top three positions. Mm. And uh, it's like yes, they have made they have made a lot of money. So, for example, Secret Garden, which is Sky Cinema's remake of the uh, the children's oh, film they, book, okay. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Colin Firth, uh, open to one. about one hundred and fifty thousand pounds across the cinemas. But it's also available on Sky Cinema right now if you're a Sky Cinema subscriber. Mm. Uh, there's another family film, Two by Two Overboard, made about. Uh, it's been out on release for about a week and a bit. It's made about 300 odd, 300,000 mm. over its little run. Number one film is Liam Neeson's new one, On His Faith, 250,000 pounds. But, but with Neeson, you know that it's a loss leader for the Blu ray. I mean, this is the other thing. Yeah. Phil, theatrical releases for mid level films have been loss leaders for the home video release since at least 2006 or seven. Mm. You know, it, 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 that is kind of how the business works. So, I mean, you were you worked in cinema as well. You know the costs of what arrives. You know how much of the ticket price goes back to the the, the distributor and the studio, which mm. is why cinemas don't make their living off the films. They make their living off the, the concessions. Yeah, you know, and 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 that was always the problem. The the, the if you, if you can't afford to make a living off running showing the films then you're already running a model that is dysfunctional and going to fail the moment people don't want to buy the concessions, I mean, which, to be honest, a lot of us don't. We take out, take in our own bags from, super, from a supermarket. But, um, I'm just going just gonna to add on to this a little bit, just because obviously the last delay for Bond back in 
it's the end of September, something like that. And mm. obviously, Sunny World is now closed again. Mm. And and people sort of bemoaning or or kind of mourning this potential sort of devastation. But it's like part of me understands where they do come from. Mm. Other part mm. of me kind of goes, well, you've, you've it's like certain cinemas change. You've put yourself in that situation. Mm. You've put yourself in this situation by just going, we really want to show your films. We really want to show your films. You want 90% of the ticket price on the first weekend. Here you go. Let us have mm. the film. film. And, and to be perfectly honest, it's like, I, it's like, I, I mean, for Bunker's I've been kind of thinking that I should do like a, a big written piece about this or how my feelings are on the situation. Oh, do, but, do, please. But, but my general, my general feeling at the moment is I'm mixed feelings. I think, the mainstream cinema chains have kind of done it to themselves by bowing to Hollywood whenever the chance comes up mm. because they want, they want the big films. They want, they want people to come to this. Get that. Totally fine. But when you are dedicating 90%, 80% of your ticket to the studio, mm. you're asking for trouble. You yeah. are asking for it. And, it's, and, it's, um, and, I, and I, can, I can say with Skyfall, for example, Skyfall, two bomb films back, when I was working in the cinema, it was, I think, an 80 to 90% return to Sony for every ticket for the first month. What? That's ridiculous. I might be wrong on that, but well, I remember it being accurate. I remember it being a ridiculous amount of the ticket. And it also came with a free page terms and conditions side of things of what staff could and could not do in terms of things like free tickets, in terms of press tickets and so forth it's basically no 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 ask us in two months that's in uh, and and that's the, and that's and unfortunately that is how the hollywood system has worked in that mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. but i, I also I, uh, sorry I'll, I'll finish up and then i i will i will let you speak to lizzie i'm sorry um <laughs> i think my my only other argument and we can we can touch on this a little bit later is the problem as well, I think, with cinema lately has been the the general film going experience, as Hugh has said, has been, for lack of a better word, piss poor. <laughs> I mean, it's like there are some cinemas I go to, and it's like I'm very happy with the presentation. But there are still others. There are still tons of cinemas where they cost cut by not having to dedicate projection staff, not really hiring people who are actually invested in cinema as a career yeah luckily i was someone who wanted to build a career in cinema i went as far as i could and then i moved i moved away um but yeah it's just, it's like I, my sympathy's low that's the thing it's like it's like <laughs> i love film i love watching films on the cinema screen and i like and it's like i remember seeing films when i was younger in the 90s or something like that Odeon, cheapside reading it it felt like a big deal it felt like a night out it felt things now it's just a trivial place to go and pretend to watch a film while you're looking at your phone it's 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 not the same anymore and mm. i'm sorry unfortunately the gener the current generation has let it happen and the cinema chains themselves have kind of let it happen so it's like i'm sad about it but i'm not surprised about it <laughs> and, and yeah anyway i i will I watched them now. I am telly host, so I should be leading conversations on a little bit. So, Lizzie, we know this is your soapbox of choice. 
I do, I do, I do apologize. Get off the lawn moment. I'm going to get off the lawn now. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to become all Clint Eastwood now and just remain silent as a silent person now. So please, Lizzie, please. So he, I am going to profess this, preface this by saying I am not a business. I know nothing about business, but the cinema business model as far as I can tell, has not changed since I was going to the cinemas as a child. Yeah, like, you much. you get the bums in seats, you overcharge them for popcorn and terrible drinks, and then they have to sit in the dark room with a load of people, and that's it. That's They, they haven't... I mean, okay, some of them have done these new reclining seats where you get a little mm. table to put your popcorn on and things like that, but it's Very still... Nice. The, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, they're great, but they are really alienating for a vast majority of the population, mm. such as people with disabilities. Mm. Gonna hold my hand up on that one. Like most cinema seats mm. are ridiculously uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm six foot two, and if I wasn't half crippled, they'd still be uncomfortable. Yeah. Or people with children who maybe have sensory issues. Like I, I think, and I know some cinemas do like special screenings mm. once a week for kids with like sort of sensory issues, but that's once a week and not really very nice because mm-hmm. it's sort of marginalizing them. But also, just families with kids normally, like, why would you take your kids to a cinema where you're spending eighteen pound on a ticket and probably another twenty five quid for them to have popcorn and drink that they're going to spill on the floor, mm. and hope to God that they sit still for two hours? Mm. Like, it makes the well, it makes the sort of premiere at home or cinema at home thing they're doing at the moment, where you're paying like fifteen pounds to rent a film for forty eight hours, like for Trolls or The Witches, which has just come out, the new one with Anne Hathaway. That's mm. on. That's like fifteen. Just in time for half term. Perfect. Yeah, just in time. And Halloween. Yeah. But yeah, yeah but no, as you say, like ne- Netflix, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, I'm sure there's a load of who I don't know if Hulu's still a thing, but you know, that I like I yeah, I have friends who have kids who they say I do not take my kids to the cinema anymore because everything you can you can probably get it real the same weekend on one of the video on demand platforms. Hmm. And I could and like if my kid needs the loo, I can pause it. And I'm not mm-hmm. disturbing 300 other people taking my kid to the bathroom in the middle of a show. Or mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're like me and you have physical disabilities, which makes sitting in one position for very long, very, very uncomfortable. I can shift around and not worry that, you know, I'm blocking the person behind me or make my chair is squeaking annoyingly or that I'm going to knock someone's elbow. Like, I'm sorry, but cinema has done this to themselves. Like, you know, do or die. And if you sleep on the, inf- inf- I mean, what was the quote? Something about sleeping on the inf- roadkill on the information superhighway. They're roadkill on <laughs> they're roadkill on the cinema highway. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's not a feasible business model anymore. No, I don't think it is. I think COVID is the, is putting the nails in the in the coffin lid. Really. Mm. The thing is, is there a reason other than nostalgia? for going to the cinema like i get that a projected image but when it was still film and not digital there is that weird thing that we know it does to your brain because it's your brain trying to process still images being moved at a certain speed and while 24 frames a second is not actually as convincing as 30 or 60 frames which starts to me where your brain starts to go oh my god that's like almost reality at 24 the fact that it's just fast enough to convince your brain it's real but there's a slight 
awareness that there's a little gap between each picture. And this means that the brain feels like it's a dream state because it's, it's perceiving a reality, but it's not all there. Mm. Um, Plus, you know, the sound systems in the cinemas are better than what exactly. you've got at home, things like right. that. So in theory, that's what you, you're missing, right? But some most of us either watch a lot of stuff at home or we grew up on it. Or, I mean, my nephews, one of them likes the cinema, the other doesn't, because when he was young, he got had to go to a, a birthday party in the cinema. They were watching the newest Pixar and the volume was so loud, it frightened him. And he ran out of the cinema and he has never been back he has no interest he's happy with tv he's happy with youtube he's happy at home and now as an adult he's get, got into movies but at home blu-ray dvd his younger brother i took to the cinema a few years ago for uh did we star wars first or anyway we we did we, we each christmas we alternated so we did whichever one was out so it was either a star wars or a dc movie he liked his dc over marvel and he loves it. He absolutely loves the whole experience. He's like, I like queuing. I like these people who are friendly to me with the uniform, and I get popcorn. And you know, he, the nostalgia was amazing for me, mm. but for him it was all new. And he was like, I'm gonna, you know, he's like, I miss this when we don't do it. I was like, Does your dad not take you? He's like, Well, you know, no, he doesn't. We just get stuff at home. And 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 so I see the the joy of it is still there for for new for newer generations, but. I just don't know if it's worth the risk at this stage. I mean, people, people are awful. And, you know, do you really want to go sit in a dark, musty room with probably no air conditioning and no air circulation and people coughing in the middle of a film? And it's like, hmm, does that person have COVID and now we all have it too? I will say, I've, I've been to the summer about several times since they've reopened. And they, they have been very... I have felt safe in the environment. The crowd, the, fun, yeah. the thing is as well, not many crowds have been about. The only time a screen was really busy was when uh, myself and uh, Christian went to see uh, Tenet in IMAX. There was like a decent 50, but again, people were spread out. So there wasn't anyone behind me and there wasn't anyone right in front of me. They So it's... I, yeah, but I, I mean, yeah. like COVID can travel in diagonals. It yeah. can travel more than six feet. Like it's it's... As Hugh says, do you really want to risk your health for the chance to go sit in a dark room and watch a show, a TV, something on the on a TV that's bigger than you can possibly fit in your house? Like, I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying go to the cinemas right now. I'm so if you feel safe to do so, the cinemas that I've been to felt safe. If I didn't feel safe, I wouldn't have been going. That's it's. That's the side of things, but obviously you're you're right, Lizzie. COVID can come in all shapes and forms. It can come. It can it could be sat right behind you, going hello. But you also and, have to you also have to hope that they've wiped down all the seats from the previous people because if someone who say had no symptoms coughed in their hand and then put it on the armrest and then you come along mm -hmm. to the next showing, it you know COVID can live on surfaces for long enough that. It's, I mean, but, you know, I'm pretty. Sure I mean, I'm a paranoid person. Yeah, no, but I don't think you're wrong. I'm pretty sure I've caught the flu from going to the cinema, right? I know I've caught the flu from being on the tube. I know, you know, I, I, I'm pretty aware over the years, particularly as I've got more chronically ill and, and, and more susceptible. I, every winter, I'm aware how the an ordinary virus works, and even that's a lethal virus, potentially. Um, so that's a thing that has made me wonder about, do I want to be in a cinema? Now, I just Mark on our chat has mentioned um, slightly earlier on that um, the Alamo chain of cinemas in the US are quite nice. They love film and do it as a combination of dinner and a show. Well, I'm fortunate enough to be near uh, an everyman, which does the same thing here in Britain. Yeah. And you got one there too, Harriet? Yeah, I've got one just up the road. It opened up last year. Did you go? 
I've been a few times actually, and uh, I haven't eaten there, but I've um, been to see the the cinema. It's quite cozy. It's just like you know, you've got a sofa, you know, pillows. It's it's kind of a bit more comfortable than the cinema, and I would prefer to go to that. I know you pay a bit more, but you know, I know it has been opened, but I don't know how many people have gone in there. And personally, I wouldn't go at the moment, but that's just no. pure my choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the one, I, you know, it's we were paying, I think, fifteen quid, fifteen quid a head, yeah, to go to the Everyman and anything you pay on top. But the thing is that it was worth it for, as you say, sofas, leg room, uh, the fact that there's footrests on the seats in front of you, so you can put your legs up, uh, mm. the delivery of food and drink anytime up to the start of the film, all the things that the yeah, that was worth the extra money. Mm. But I found we only did it like three times a year. Because you save it, you, you think which film do I want to see on it? It's for the special films. Yeah, yeah five, but uh, times myself to it. So. Yeah, so I think I think I get why th that was the last thing that kept me going to the cinema. That was the last thing because it was I knew that the the guys took care of the place. The staff, like Ian said, the staff felt like they had something invested in the experience, and that it was comfortable, and you had good quality screens and lights and all the rest of it, and there was space for wheelchairs and all the rest of it and you know it was just generally better and they were very serious about please don't talk during the cinema and all this kind of thing and they would check on that and i just i realize it's a lot of hard work i realize it's a lot of effort to run a cinema like that and you have to figure out how to make the money and it ends up being an expensive night if you go for the food and drink but at the same time it's the only way to make it different, I think, from being at home, because at home we can have a good sized TV, a decent sound system and, you know, comfortable chairs. And as, as Lizzie said, the loo is a minute away and you won't miss the film, you know, mm. to pick your moment. And sad to say it, that's that's really I don't I, I like Bond, but I didn't. I stopped seeing the Bonds in the cinema. Crikey, probably the last time I saw the uh, I didn't see Skyfall. Did I see, yeah, Skyfall was the last one I saw in the cinema. I didn't bother after that. I was just like, I'll wait till it's at home. Um, and is it? Am I really losing out? All these friends of mine online, all these nostalgics going, "You, oh, death of cinema," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, yeah sorry." <laughs> I, I mean, people talk about the death of cinema like it's a bad thing, but is it really a bad thing if the physical cinema itself? I mean, I'll tell you about the the death of the medium of the cinema, like no. films and things like that. But is it really so tragic if we finally take that horse out behind the barn and shoot it because the poor thing's struggling and it would be a mercy at this point? Mm. Like, I just, think. Sorry, just Marks also said they are. It's the immersiveness that's the big difference. The screen is so big. And the audio is so loud that you are completely enveloped. But I would argue you can do that at home now. Yeah, I mean, I've got a friend who who does that in their back garden with a sheet and a projector. Yeah. yeah. So, again, why would you leave the house? And also, as he puts it, he can drink while he's in the cinema. Some cinemas do mm. allow you to take Most, booze in. Not yeah, all of them. Yeah, majority now are, are kind of open to that. But I mean, so talking about, so my mother lives in a tiny little village up in Lincolnshire and in the local sort of town village, it's not quite big enough to be a town, but it's a bit too big for a village. They have this thing that is called the Kinema in the Woods. It's in an old cricket pavilion and it has a Wurlitzer organ that comes up out of the floor and a man plays it when the film starts and in the end has intervals. And it's very old school cinema. Like it, my mum says when she goes, it's like, oh, this is like when my dad used to take me to the cinema in like the 50s and 60s. Mm. And I can see that sort of cinema surviving because their costs are very low. Their tickets are not expensive. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And they only they only get the, the the big releases about three or four weeks after the mainstream cinemas. Yeah, like it, well, so. It, and also, they're the most they're the nearest cinema for like ninety miles or something. Well, well, that's the thing. Community cinemas have been around all this time. I used to when I when I was at Network. One of the things we used to do with the indie films was figure out how to book them into places like that. Yeah, you know, um, uh, local town halls and libraries and all this sort of thing. And it's a wonderful system. And as you say, Lizzie, the the, the it's easier to run because your costs are different. You don't need to get the concession money in. The cost is the film, the ticket, and and the and the location mostly, you know. And you're only showing it a few nights, but because your where where your your potential audience is reasonably small, those people will make a point to go out because it becomes something special. It becomes an event. It's not just there every day. I can go to see a film every day. It's once a week. You've got a shot at seeing the film, um, yeah. but at least you know it's there. And I think it's I think that might be the way some of this survives. I mean, indie cinema people are saying, oh, indie films will save cinema, and I'm like, well guys they already went you know half the indie films are being funded by amazon sky or or, or netflix so it's like i think it's uh, and, that's, that's, that's and also a lot of indie films are very niche market audience yeah. like you know let's be honest some indie films you look at and go yeah i really into that because it tickles whatever fancy you have others you go they really there's really a market for that like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> well maybe i think I think if I think if cinema is to survive this patch, basically when when things are hopefully at a safer point, mm. I think they I think to a degree some cinemas some cinema business need to kind of really think about how they restructure themselves or basically maybe just go back to kind of grassroots in a way in terms of mm-hmm. being a bit more um, I, again yeah looking at indie niche but then again you look at cinema. Look at cinema back in like 60s and 70s in the early 80s it wasn't like a barrage of superhero movies over yeah. and over again it wasn't like a like big temple releases every well, two months that, that was the other point i was going to raise is that yeah. i think this is not cinemas that's going to change it's got to change the kind of films that get made yeah and, and how much money they need to make back I mean, the market is very oversaturated in terms of big releases th- yeah. now than when it was when we were kids. Like, you know, as you say, it's every, it's almost every week there's a big name film comes out, and you're mm. just like, you can't keep up. Even if you mm. want, you know, like, if you like, okay, I do know a couple of people who want to see every single film that comes out because they're that sort of film buff. But mm. even oh. if it's yes hello ian but you know let's be let's be honest ian you are special and a very special minority <laughs> like in a good way in a good way you're special in a good way sorry that came off really bitchy i do apologize it's fine it's fine <laughs> i didn't mean it that. i know i know where you were coming from it's yeah what, like you know you're not the average consumer that the <laughs> cinemas are sort of aiming at because nobody goes to the cinema every week except for people like ian which is not a bad thing but like I look and see, like every time you turn on like YouTube, it's like, oh look, they're advertising another movie. Oh, what was that awful one that you were talking about on Facebook, Ian? With uh... oh right, right. So slight detour. So <laughs> we have... I went. To, so <laughs> I went to see. I went to see uh, Irish Crime Caper Pixie at the cinema on Sunday. Oh yeah, nice, uh, it's a nice little caper. If you want to go out and venture and see it, it's good. It's it does feel like a TV movie, so you can hold off and wait for it to come off on, t- on TV or DVD, Blu-ray, or whatever. But there were some trailers and a trailer came up for this film and it's like a normal everyday woman. She's played by Melissa McCarthy. She discovers that her 
complete te- all her techno gear, like uh, TV, music, computer, it's taken over by a super artificial intelligence. It's become sentient, and it said, "I, I want, I want to understand how this this planet operates. I want to understand what it is to be human." and care and love and stuff like that. And in order to get this point across to her, he decides to adopt the voice of someone that she would trust, admire, love, and respect. Uh And that person is James Corden. (laughs) So the premise of this film is Melissa McCarthy is talking to an AI voiced by James Corden, the real James Corden. And trying to spend 90 to two hours to try and say, don't let us die, let us live, and all that sort of stuff. The fact of the matter is, this trailer is not available online. I I thought, oh, I've not heard of this. I must have missed it. And I wanted to find the trailer and share it with the world to say, look at this horror that's coming. And you thought 2020 could get any worse. But no. No, no, no. Warner, Warner Brothers and HBO have decided, you know what, we'll just send it to HBO Max instead. <laughs> Whoa. But like, oh. <laughs> again my point of oversaturation of the market because like think about it like 30 years ago would that film have been made well 30 years ago which Corden wasn't even at school at Homer Green so locally yes yeah, so <laughs> well, they've done that they've done the sort of premise before I mean you look at uh, Spike oh, yeah. Jones's uh her with walking Phoenix uh, yeah uh, uh, no, uh, no, us. uh but, but what was it called Oh, her. she. Her, that was her? it. That was good. Yeah, no, she, really? no, she. God, no, she's the one with Raquel Welch and no, yeah, sorry. was yeah, it Raquel yeah. Welch? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but um, her is really interesting as well because they record the, the, the they changed the actress as well because they recorded the entire film with Samantha Morton. Yes, and, and then they redubbed it with um, Scott Johansson. Yeah, and it's it's seamless. You can't tell, which is quite scarily worrying about the principle. It's well. it's why when I look at someone like V for Vendetta, because James Prufoy was was playing V for like a good portion of the filming, and they changed the Hugo Weaving. And it's like yeah, I yeah, really yeah. couldn't tell. It just sounds like they just put someone. They had a stunt man, and they just said, "No, no, voice isn't working. Just change it." Yeah, well, come on, much. they they did that in Star Wars. David Prowse played True. Darth Vader, and then James L. Jones did the voice. I think you'll find that you are a traitor to the rebel alliance. Now take it away. <laughs> okay, I, to be fair, I have served beer to David Prowse. He's a lovely, lovely man. I, I, I know he is. I know he is. He's green like, cross code man. Got to respect that, him. Yeah, uh, but like this is my point. Like, would that sort? I mean, okay, yes, I remember going to see Jingle All the Way as a kid. That was a rubbish, rubbish movie, but it had Arnie Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, trying to get into his family friendly vibe. I couldn't. You quite put work that out. cookie down. No, I'm going to Turbo Man. Turbo oh. Man. Oh, but like, okay, so there were duds when we were a kid. Let's we all we all admit that there were dud films when we were growing up. But like, <laughs> is it just me or some of these ideas for films, like the one that Ian just mentioned, seeing the trailer for, or just any of this? Really, like you sort of look at it and go, why? Well, it's like there was there <laughs> Could was you not trailer. just set the money on fire. <laughs> there was another trailer. There was another trailer for a thriller film, which kind of made sense. It's like you know what? It's a it's a low key thriller. I can I can imagine it doing well. It was just like a romantic couple in a plane, and the plane's being piloted by Keith David. Keith David has a heart attack, and these two have no idea how to fly a plane. And so <laughs> so it's like, how do we land the plane? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Airplane that, that did was, it. Yeah, but that was an episode of MacGyver two years ago. <laughs> that was also I'm a bit in Indiana Jones. Indy did it as well. Yeah. So, Willie. God, we really are recycling every last possible idea. It's like, oh, that little idea from a longer film will turn into a whole movie now. Why? Okay, Why? I mean, Why would you do this? But then, okay, a good one to point out is why the hell did this get made? Cats, Cats the movie, the musical. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go on about that. Again. I'm gonna go on about that movie again. Why cats? Why in like I want to? You're find... shouting. I know. Sorry, <laughs> I hate sorry. that movie so much. I'm so I'm so cross <laughs> that it exists. Like you know, you have some like anger about things that exist. Cats for me is one of them. Like I have oh, I have yeah. the Blu-ray of the stage show that they did because they did a um they did a they did a film of the stage cast. show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they turned they turned the stage show and it's perfect. It, if you want to see cats, get that. You can get it on Amazon. It's cheaper than fucking like. But I finally watched the cats movie. I think if anyone saw my Facebook diabate about the whole thing, because I was basically tweet. I'm not quite live tweeting while I was watching it on Facebook. And it's just like, can you see that movie of being made thirty years ago? Obviously not with the CGI, but like probably better. But like when they did the, 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 the version that they did of the stage show, that was done really quite cheap because it was all stuff from the stage show. The makeup art they did, it, and it was all the actors from the stage show. It wasn't done with the goddamn ninety million dollar budget of whatever Cats was. Don't and worry, it had a don't worry, it had a day one patch as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like. I'm sorry, if you can do more believable cats with stage paint and leotards and leg warmers than you can with that much CGI budget, what was the point? And it also had James Corden in it, which I just decided ruins everything. If if you would like the best if you would like the best explanation of the cats movie, Screen Rants pitch meetings, they do a great one on cats. Same a guy plays the scriptwriter and the Hollywood producer, and there's a bit where he's going, "Yeah, and these cats are going to decide who are dying." It's like, why are you shifting your hips? I don't know. I find it sexy. Okay, keep it in. Yeah, <laughs> sort of yeah. They made cats sexy, and it's just like, no, no. I mean, it's furry porn. No one can convince me that this was not a furry porn script that they suddenly put a Hollywood budget behind. I know what I like to put faces on cockroaches. <laughs> And to be fair, the the cockroaches are in the stage show. As are probably not in that nightmare scenario. Anyway, (laughs) we're we're going far down the rabbit hole that is cats and James Corden. So I think I think the bottom line from no uh, rabbit holes, no rabbit, no no rabbit holes, no rabbit holes. I think what (laughs) I think what we're understanding from this conversation in regards to cinema is the system feels like it. The current iteration of cinema needs to change it at this current state. That's that's my current feeling. I, obviously, I don't know if that's the same sentiment from the rest of the panel. You correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. No, I think but it has it's to just, just what is it going to look like next year? I've got yeah. no idea. And actually, that's kind of cool. Mm. Mm. It'll be an adventure. Cool. It will. With James think, Corden. I, no. No. <laughs> no, I think they need to take that show out. Horse out. No. Okay, two things they need to take out behind the barn and shoot: cinema <laughs> and James Corden. <laughs> He must be stopped before he infects everything in Hollywood. He must be stopped. Don't worry, he's got the Netflix musical coming out on Christmas. Oh, the prom. That actually looks yeah. quite good. That, he's in it. 
No, but hang, that's the thing. hang on, don't have double standards here, Lizzie. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 because he's not Jane. He's not the main focus of the bloody film. He's the I think fabulous gay man in it, which is probably perfectly suits him. I can't quite work out the plot. All I can work well, out is it's it's a le- two lesbians in a small town want to go to prom together, and the small town goes no, and then fairy god fairy gay mothers turn up in the form of Meryl Streep, James Corden, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, was it? Uh, I don't think it's Michelle Pfeiffer. I can't uh, remember. Helen Say, Mirren, I think. Helen, Helen Mirren. Mirren. No, it's Meryl Streep. Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Time to I'm, be. I sw- oh, no, Nicole Kidman. I think it's Nicole yes, Kidman. Yes, Nicole Kidman. That's it. And then a fourth one who I can't remember yes. who it is. And they turn up and basically do an alternative prom because, you know, gay. Mm. I think I think uh, Al Wants to Play Games has summed up this sort of last 10 minutes as thus. <laughs> Where has this segment gone? Uh. Basically, down to a place I don't think anyone wants to see again. So, yes, cinema. The current iteration needs to change. And unfortunately, COVID, unfortunately, COVID has been the catalyst to sort of instigate that something needs to happen because the current trend of film going cannot continue, not just in its current environment, but clearly moving forward with with the business model and so forth. Anyway, let's 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 all move away from the nightmarish visions that we've talked about over the last 10 minutes. And you know what? I want some warm-heartedness. I want some good feels. I want some I want some things to make me happy. Harriet, <laughs> what's your topic? What a way to go on. <laughs> um, no pressure. I, no pressure. Um my topic is in regards to we talked about it earlier is Among Us and Fall Guys. These are two games that, uh, because we're in the, the climate of room with the COVID taking over, we've been gaming a lot um, indoors. And you've had popular games come out like The Last of Us 2, Final Fantasy, Resident Evil, for example. But these two games alone have proven how popular um, you don't need, like, you don't need, like, big teams to uh, make thousands of pounds of you know production and these two games alone everyone's playing them it's literally every other video on youtube now playing among us or four guys um you've got so many different youtubes now across uh, uh you know <laughs> across the streams i suppose i mean you've got like pewdiepie <laughs> playing with james charles you have like one of the senators in america playing with um other people i can't remember off the top of my head so uh yeah uh, alexandra or the uh, whatever her name is i can't pronounce that, her surname that's it so it's kind of politician yeah a poli- yeah an american politician and it's actually it's perfect game actually for <laughs> trying to find out who's the liar of the group <laughs> it's orange it's always orange <laughs> so it's, it's kind of how the simple things uh, you know it's please us i suppose because i i love both games i've been playing full guy a uh, full guy since it came out among us now i've been playing and enjoying a lot more than say um uh, tony hawk or final fantasy even animal crossing because it's just mm. brilliant like these the small developer they just made something so simple but enough that lure you, lures you in and it's great that you can play with anyone and everyone uh because with um among us you can uh, cross-play, so you can play with PC and mobile. So I play on mobile and chat on Discord to friends. Mm. Um, and also, going back to transactions before, 
you can buy stuff on on uh four guys if you want to and you could also do the same on among us so if you want to have a little child run after you and you want to pay towards the developers that's great that's what i've done um mm. but yeah it, it's just more like in the future is the future gaming just small developers making these very simple games a thing because the age i am now I get confused so easily playing video games. I can just about play Crash 4 at the moment. <laughs> jump, uh, jump, jump. Watch out for Boulder. Jump, jump, run. <laughs> it's a horrible game, actually. I love it, but I hate it at the same time. But things like... Uh, that sounds like a Crash Bandicoot game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much just fling it out the window because I'm just enraged by it. Even though they say things like Among Us and Fall Guys enrage you. I love it. I, I, I don't think I've laughed so much playing a game so yeah going forward is it is it just kind of um simplicity just something short and sweet but enough to entertain you enough that they can be playing it for months on end afterwards because i can see um both games because four guys has just released season two no mm. doubt will have season three among us i think they're they were going to make a second one but because it's been so popular and i'm just reading here there's like 3.8 million people played it last month alone yeah that's a lot of people and it's had like um on the app store steam uses it's downloaded nearly 500,000 times Uh, yeah do you know what's that's a lot of murdering (laughs) yeah do you know what's quite surprising about among us as well it's not even a new game it came out in 2018 really yeah information it says initial release date 15 15 2018 so it might have been an early access that sort of way but it's just it has just kind of sprung it just yeah, it's down. just come it's just yeah, come from anywhere and it's it was the same it was the same with four guys when we've, and we've talked about four guys before where basically people they announced the game who went oh yeah it just looks it looks all right this looks fine but then you, but then youtubers grabbed a hold of it and the twitch streamers grabbed a hold of beta copies and then it was like oh oh yeah oh and i think youtubers nowadays are big influences in regards to uh, absolutely buying dying games i mean for example i watch uh, as you know watch game grumps they'll play a game and i'm like okay i'm gonna try that myself or for example among us because it's been shown everywhere i mm. thought oh i'm gonna give this a go so yeah it, it, it's like you said it's like they get hold of it and then boom it just explodes i think the interesting thing with, i think the interesting thing with game grumps as well is they don't the famous game grumps they don't necessarily play the latest of games they'll play the old latest game if the means are there to do so but most of the yeah. time it's like they're doing they're doing ghoul grumps now and they're and they're playing games again that are either very low key or just well, not, like not anywhere there. In the first one, and yeah. that was actually two years, a year or two ago. Yeah. So yeah, I need to watch that. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. It, I'm guessing they jump a bit, <laughs> especially Dan. Poor Dan. I mean, the, the thing, the thing to take into account, I think, with Fall Guys and Among Us is they cute. Like the art style, the art style is so adorbs. And let's be honest, uh, if I could be a tiny, adorable spaceman and murder people, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I mean, they are are adorable. The the, yeah, the fan art alone and the the fandom behind it's just incredible. I mean, I've drawn fan art for um for um Among Us, and I'm gonna carry on because it's really fun and it's quite simple to do. Uh, but. Like, and so many memes and stuff like that. That's another thing about these games. They've created more interactivity with other people, making art, making videos, etc. So it's kind of a way of bringing more people together to enjoy the games even more. 
Yeah, I mean, like, for me, like, I haven't actually played Among Us yet. I've watched people play it, and I have bought it, but I keep forgetting to that I own it, so I haven't played it yet. <laughs> but, like, I'm on Reddit a lot, and there's a lot of fan art of Among Us, and it's like, how dare you make me cry over a tiny little... Because, like, there's all these ones oh. with, like, the as you said, the little child that you can get, and then, of course if someone gets murdered you've got the little child just sort of sitting there and people have done like little comics of it and i'm sitting there with like tears actually i'm actually crying and i'm like how dare you very much do this to me it's like i you know it's a, it's basically a frank furter with a bit of marshmallow stuck across its face and it's like how dare you make me feel things about this <laughs> i mean it's i mean speaking i mean speaking of art uh, here's a here's a little watercolor i did red is sus Red is sus. And of course, Harriet, of course, has done this one as well. Hey, there you are. <laughs> oh, why are you phoning me? You're my accountability buddy. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I just I just love that um that you know how I was we were talking about American politicians playing um Among Us and how yes. yeah, the, the um the campaign I see it hand on I'll do it was yeah. amazing. But the campaign mm. against Trump has taken the whole, you know, color is sus thing and gone basically orange is sus, and they've put <laughs> they've made a little Donald Trump Among Us thing, and it's just <laughs> it's so funny. And you're just like I, the first time I saw it, I actually could not breathe. I was laughing so hard, but it was just like <laughs> I love the fact that the whoever whichever campaign came up with that, I'm pretty sure it was the opposition. I can never remember which way around they are. They came up with that, and it's like, yes, you are feeding into the public consciousness of what is popular, and you are making it seem to the young voters like you give a crap about what they do. Like, I, it's genius. Yeah. I like, you know, it's evil, but it's also genius. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? You were saying, Harriet, that you know, oh, is this the future of gaming? I, I really do think it is. I think it's the future of everything. I think it's the future of movies. I think it's the future of television. I think it's the future of gaming. I think everything has to be done on a smaller scale. I think it has to be more creative, more interesting. And I think they have to trust that even if it takes two years, people will get onto it. Mm. You know, like Ian says, this came out a while ago. It took time. It took momentum. There'll still be place for marketing in that context because you want to get people aware of something. But there's going to have to be some sense of Instead of this thing we were discussing at the beginning when with, with loot boxes where Lizzie was saying, you know, EA want to have your money and then keep having your money. You can just see the accountants going, well, what we need is this much in Q4 and Q3 and Q2. And, you know, what you'll need to do instead is make a game, put it out and just make another game and put it out and just keep going. And you'll have to figure out some other way to secure your revenue stream so that you as a company, you as inventors and creators don't go bust in the meantime. But I think it's going to have to be just that little bit more creative, that little bit more interesting. I mean, my partner's a big video gamer. She she's always been about the indie games, always. Um, mm. I mean, we did last year with um, for Bunkerzilla, we did a uh, a podcast where she interviewed a whole series of in, uh, indie gamers at EGX. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where she'll be looking at something on YouTube and go, "Oh, I saw that two years ago at EGX. It's only out. Oh, great. Well, that's worth playing." And you kind of. We have a lot of games that we we demo and try at home that are just small and fun, and I love them. I love them so much more than the big triple A's where I have to invest time, which is the most valuable thing I've I got think, right now. I think that's the point, though, Hugh, is that the small developers remember that games are supposed to be fun. Yeah. Like, 
it that's why you play a game because you want to have fun you don't play it because you want to be the okay yeah there are people who play it because they want to be the best and be elite and like pwn the noobs and all that stuff i uh, see i know the lingo i i'm i'm hit with the kids <laughs> but there is there is that stere- there is that stereotype gamer that everybody knows of even if you don't know someone who's like that and, and then you get something like among us or fall guys like Fall Guys looks like madness. It looks like absolute madness, but it looks like great fun. Like, it doesn't matter if you win. You're having fun. That's the whole point. Mm. Yeah. I think it's the um, most had in the game in a very long time playing Fall Guys. Because I, think... I can literally just laugh just falling off the stage because it's just hilarious. <laughs> and, I think if you, and I think if people have watched me play it on Twitch as well, they, they've seen me uh, swear quite a lot sometimes and shout very... <laughs> very very loud as well well it's like it's like it's like you fail but you you enjoy the fact that you failed and sometimes it is the most the most silliest of things to go on with it's like oh i'm gonna make this jump nope or 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 the best one was when i was swiping on fruit shoot and i'm just so close to the finish line it's like nothing's gonna go wrong now big stick of cinnamon (laughs) <laughs> but it's called Fall Guys, Ian. It's not called Win Guys. This is true. <laughs> like, the point of it, like it's it's very clear in the title. Like you're not you're not gonna like succeed because that's not the point. The point is how can hilariously can you fail? Yes, yes. I think I think I watching things on YouTube like that. I do enjoy like the smaller sort of sillier games because then that kind of gives gives me kind of ideas. I, these are games that I want to play. I mean. It's like again, a lot of like the group games seem to be quite important. I mean, there's the horror game. Uh, is it Phantasm? Oh, hang on, what's it called? Oh, Phantasmagoria. Phantasmagoria. Amazing. Yeah, and it's like um, someone that we host on the channel, uh, Tori Yunami. Um, I wasn't as our best friend Chicken. Um, it's like I watched I watched a stream where she and a, and a couple of friends were were just playing around or not really play around they were trying to figure out a ghost in the same and and it, it's kind of like a, it's like you you want to keep watching but you really don't want to keep watching if something jumps out at you yeah you and it, it's kind of like i hear the ghost it's at level four shit <laughs> you're at the door, it's like yeah. get, get the ghost traps get the ghostbusters gear get all that stuff you'll be fine I'm never afraid of no ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's because, I think it's because the people who make those games make them for the right reasons. It's not. Yeah. Too, I'm not saying that there aren't people working for the AAA developers who are making games because they want people to have fun with them. But unfortunately, because they're not in control, that kind of gets lost. So you get soulless titles. Whereas, I, like Among Us, Four Guys, Phantasmagoria, like they're dripping and oozing in, especially in Phantasmagoria with soul. Mm. <laughs> ah, do you like, do you like my pun? <laughs> ah. But yeah, it's, I, but no, I think it's like, it's like, yeah, you're, you're right. Lizzie. It's like they they are people who want to make a game and they want to just give you a game to experience and enjoy. Whereas how many battle Royale stuff have we seen since like Fortnite and, and PUBG? I mean, there's been a hyper, hyper arena from Ubisoft, which looked cool, but it still was was very generic when I played it. Um, I mean, the whole the battle whole... royale thing came across yeah. from it was a mod for uh, something. It was Daisy. It was like a mod for another game. I can't remember. Oh what yeah, yeah. Day- 
I don't know. Chatty, oh, do you know? Do oh, let us know. Yeah. Oh, Mark will know because he plays it or played it. And that was when the I think that was the first really battle royale game. And yeah, okay, mm. that looked fine if you like zombies and things like that. But Fortnite, oh, mm. Overwatch. Uh, well, it's like you got uh, Modern Warfare Warzone, which is great for Call of Duty fans, but. The only time I ever play a Call of Duty game is when I want to play the single player. It's like I don't like playing multiplayer first-person shooters. Quake Champions wasn't too bad, but then Quake Champions was just, this is Quake in a multiplayer environment. You know, yep. like the old days. Give me my rocket launcher. Like when I played it before everybody got online and it became an absolute pain it, in the yeah, bum. Because you, you had know, a 12 year old who'd camp out and just take you out in order for points. Great. The good, the good, you, the good old days. The good old days. No. The land party. The it's bad like, old days. <laughs> It's like you know you, you don't want to go online. You want to just plug it all up to the land system and have a have a group battle of command and conquer red alert on your Windows ninety five machines. Oh wow! Or, or, <laughs> if you're, or if you want to go out there, get your Quake two with your with your action Quake mod, and you can reenact the scene from the Matrix. What time ever dies, depending on how how weird you get into the internet. Anyway. <laughs> see now i'm really going to come across as very sort of you know sh horrible shut in but when i play video games i don't want to play with other people <laughs> other people ruin I, it people ruin it like for me i i don't i i don't blame you because when i start when i had my first xbox when i had the, like the original xbox and they just started doing things like xbox live it was really cool and i enjoyed and I enjoyed playing things like Project Gotham Racing 2 or Rainbow, the original Rainbow Six. We had the little headset and you had to tell them, open breach and clear, open flash and clear, sir. No, that's not what I said. And it was all the voice command stuff. But it's like, there were games that I enjoyed playing with just relative strangers, but it just got to the point where you were playing people. And it's like, say for example, a racing game like Project Gotham Racing. You go down to the first corner. If you so much as touch another car, they are really fucked off about it <laughs> it's like how dare you hit me this isn't fair this isn't right and then couple that with say the younger gamers who want to want to make themselves her they want to make a they want to make a point uh so they decide instead of actually having a normal community uh, conversation during a game it's like i know what i'm gonna do i'm going to shout the lyrics to my favorite rock song in my mic and like and that that's, for and an that's hour and that's if they weren't sort of screaming racist, sexist, and misogynistic crap down the microphone as you because um my my experience of that era was very different to yours, Ian, because hey, girls on video games in yeah. that era. There's a and reason I stopped playing with the mic. I mean that I mean it's just that sort of I just I just fell out. I just fell out with multiplayer games. It's like I think sometimes because of my game, my game choices are very different to uh normal my normal friend circles it's like hey i've sat here talked about how much i like playing wwtk games clearly it's I, okay. i'm in it's okay, it's okay but i but if i <laughs> but if i turned around to my friends and said, guys you want to play a game they just stare at you and go no ian ian you why aren't you destined in it's like but i i don't destine in i i, I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff so when Aww. people talk about so when so when family get togethers or friends get togethers and they talk about oh yeah just these people we've been doing this and I'm just sat there going okay yeah I'm exactly WWE yeah. no Ian oh. it's all right Ian I didn't Destiny either <laughs> I didn't <You're> either. <laughs> I played a bit of Destiny too and went and <laughs> and then changed and then focused on something else and went oh, I'll just go back to playing a bit of FIFA 
like I play MMOs. Single I play I, I play <laughs> two uh, at the moment, which I play Final Fantasy 14 and I play Guild Wars 2. But you know why I play them? Because I can go away and play by myself. <laughs> I don't have to interact with the other people in the game. Yeah. Hmm. I'm the same. I mean, I've these last two games are the only two I've properly played with other people because I don't know why I have an initial fear of playing with other people feeling like oh I'm gonna let the team down so that's why I kind of stick to single players but at least with yeah. this um you just have fun but um yeah so otherwise I just stick to single players and also the fact that yeah because you're a girl it's kind of like oh just a girl. and I, I kind of yeah switched off the mic and just like put the headset down I'm like okay we'll just stick to single player then so yeah, or just think... or just deathmatch. It's like you can always let out frustrations <laughs> and just deathmatch. No, it's like there are no friends here. Only death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I say, like I think something like Among Us is a sort of like online multiplayer game that I kind of like because you're actually you just you're just trying to murder everyone. That's the point. And like, yeah, yeah that's how my yeah. interactions with people go. I want to murder everyone within five minutes. So wait, hey, <laughs> hey, you're not totally sus at all. No, no. I mean, I, no. I, I like it's just, just yeah, no. Look, I like people, and if I don't like you, then you're gonna know it. <laughs> so basically, if we were playing a game of Among Us and you murdered me because you were the imposter, it's because you like me. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. No harm. For, no, no bad yeah, like, feelings. No bad feelings. If if I if I don't like you, I'm oh, flinchingly, yeah. coldly polite, and if I like you, I bully you. I think I might have it the wrong way round, but you know. <laughs> That's not how social interact. No. <laughs> It is in my house. <laughs> right. Well, we're not coming around to yours then anytime. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not because COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think it's quite interesting because especially if it, games like Among Us, Among Us is kind of like the the game of a werewolf in a way. And there's been quite a lot more interest in kind of like the social games, not just not just on online games, but in terms of board games as well, in terms of working together as a team so you have games like incidentally pandemic uh, oh, I love that and, game. and so forth and i think it just it's it is a market that people do it's it's not just market it's a genre of game on both physical and on video games that people do like to play and it's mm -hmm. a thing and uh, and the board and the board games industry has clearly looked at it and went oh this actually is bringing lots of people in fair enough let's try and let's try and make that experience even more and i think it's really started to just kind of move over to the video game scene because you look at the big popular sort of multiplayer games you see again it's like it is fortnite things like rocket league rocket league is it's fine i've played a bit of rocket league but i'm not good at rocket league, no, I'm not good but, at rocket league. yeah it's like run little car run and hit the giant football oh i've scored yeah. my own goal uh i know, kept missing the ball <laughs> it's like we are <laughs> it's like when you, it's like when you think i'm really going to win this time i'm i'm the best driver why am i on the other side of the pitch <laughs> sort of um but no it's like a lot of the, like the big multiplayer games they're very kind of i think because there's not much of that sort of social i, I think they don't necessarily have a a social bond as say for guys or say definitely among us i think among us has a very unique social connection because obviously it's it is the game of lies and trying to understand or trying to read people in it's difficult in a video game when you can only hear their voice 
as well. So it's it's kind of like I'm totally not going to kill you next round. Honest, honest, mm. honest. Knife, <laughs> knife. <laughs> Just gonna hide in this duct. I always feel like yeah. Fall Guys is like slightly based on the old game of Wink Murder. Does everyone remember Wink Murder? You know, you sit in a circle, or did my was my school just weird, and that was what you played? Oh, it's a game played. where you just sit in a circle. Oh. You, you sit, sit in a circle, circle, and if you get winked you at, go... you die. Yes, yes. One I person remember gets, that. One, get, yeah. one person is made the murderer by the person in charge, usually the PE teacher. You all sit yeah. in a circle, <laughs> and then if someone winks at you, you have to die, you have and to then people over, have yeah. to try and guess... Who the who's murderer, the murderer is. Oh, by who's dying. Great. It was a good game. Yeah. Why have we not had a horror film in this? Oh, God, yeah. Hang hey, on, what? trailer voice time. It's like, they, they, were, they were friends, having a wonderful get-together. Hey, guys, let's just sit around in a circle and talk to each other. But then someone <laughs> winked. <laughs> oh my god Barry no <laughs> yeah and they do, they have to die in the, in more and more ridiculous ways just like like yeah oh it'd be amazing I would watch mm. that movie and I don't do <laughs> yeah, same. right we'll write the script over the weekend it'll be it'll be on DVD next year let's do it <laughs> no it'll be on Netflix come on that's where the money is Netflix no Tesco bargain bin nine oh, pounds oh, 99p <laughs> Can you even buy anything in Tesco's for 99p anymore? <laughs> I can like, buy pasta, about... even lower, even lower, like very cheap pasta. But uh, I mean, speaking about like social games that have really taken off over lockdown, I kind of feel like the Stardew Valley multiplayer has really taken off as well over lockdown, which mm-hmm. is very wholesome. Like, uh, you know, and again, I think there's one guy that makes it now. I don't think he's even expanded to two people. Uh, And it's just like, yeah, I I want to go and hang out with my friends and on a farm and make like grow parsnips and possibly hit a slime or two in the mines and go fishing. uh, It's all very wholesome. You can get married to each other. It's It's lovely. And like you see people posting videos about it online and it's really like it's very soothing. Mm. Yeah, so it's I I prefer watching that sort of video than Among Us and Fall Guys because I get very like I get very like <gasps> when I watch videos <laughs> like that. I sort of I think we were, we were talking before we went live uh, on on Twitch. We were talking about um, people doing like their kind of live action versions of Among Us, and Smosh Games has done one recently where they've kind of they've built their own little mini spaceship in their office. And basically, they have tasks to do. So they've set up tasks around these rooms. And basically, they have to do the tasks. They can't talk with each other, as you do in the game. And basically, whoever's the imposter has like a little deck of like killer cards. And basically, they have to wait until the time is moment when no one's watching. They just walk up to someone, hand them a killer card and go, you're dead. And then just quickly scurry off. And it's like, it's really gripping. I mean, yeah. that sounds like the next big thing in escape rooms. Yeah, yeah. If and lockdown ever, if lockdown ever ends. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going back to an escape room in COVID. I love my oh, no, no, escape no. rooms, but yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in just looking at the uh, the chat as well, just uh, quickly, uh, Loco is great. Hello, Loco. Um, GTA Five sold almost half a million copies during lockdown. Wow, so again, that's just in but, the UK. but that's. But I think that's probably more for. That's I'm obviously guessing that's for like GTA Online as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, plus I think I think there is if you have a copy of GTA Five when next gen launches properly, you can play the game on next gen platforms as well. I think it was kind of like it was Rockstar's way of saying you're not getting a GTA Six just yet because you can wait longer. It's not like it's been on 
three different console generations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, like, it's really weird for a game to be on like PS3, PS4, and it will be on PS5. It's like, yeah, yeah but Rock, but yeah, but Rockstar was doing other stuff. They were they don't just work on Grand Theft Auto. They did like Red Dead Redemption, which is Grand Theft Horse, but you know. <laughs> And it's like just again in their meeting room saying, We need a game. Something like something that can sell as well as GTA. What about GTA? I like that idea. What else can we do? <laughs> well, I've just watched a shit ton of Westerns and I love Clint Eastwood. And that's brilliant, Bob. Here's all the money. Off you go. Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. They could be Bethesda and just keep putting Skyrim on everything. <laughs> it's like, what's Skyrim gonna be on later? It's already on your Alexa. And it's all it's also on a fridge. I think it was. I don't know if that. I don't know if that video with um, Key. Oh God, Key from Key uh, from Key and Peel. I think there was a skit where he was kind of like playing all the different ways to play. Um, yeah, you can. The Alexa one is real. You can actually get it on your like Google Home or Alexa now, and it's basically D and D for one person. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, wow. get you Bethesda. It's like again what? one another publisher that's like we want your money to be our money. Give. Give please, give. Well, Microsoft's Microsoft will be looking after them very, very shortly. Oh yes, we talked yeah. about that uh, last, last big episode, stop, didn't we? But yeah. technically, it's not Microsoft bought another company which actually has part of Bethesda as it. It's not like they just bought Bethesda for seventy yeah. million dollars or seventy billion dollars. They bought a whole load of media companies that Bethesda mm. happened to fall under the umbrella of. Yeah. So now they're just looking at Fallout 76 and going, oh no. Yeah, new kit. Yeah. New kit. No, no, no. That's not ah. what a Fallout game should be. Sorry. <laughs> That's another one that gets me I've, I've, I've never played a Fallout game. That's the thing. It's like, I like the idea behind it, but again, it's just like, does it really, does it really appeal to me? But that just means I have strange I think, gaming sensibilities. I think you would quite enjoy New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas is probably very your speed. Fallout 3 and 4 is... Yeah, New Vegas right. is the one with Matthew Perry, isn't it? Uh, I believe so, yes. And Fallout 3 is the one with Liam Neeson. Yes. I mean, Fallout 3, I would say play because Liam Neeson is amazing, but then it's Liam Neeson. Why not? I've got a particular <laughs> set of skills. Skills that will make me say, survive the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think I think at the moment I think that the current crux of this talk topic is games like Among Us, very nice for social social gaming. Social gaming is running very well. It's not all about the it's not all about the the battle royales and the death matches and so forth. Sometimes it can just be a simple game of who on earth is trying to kill you. The government. <laughs> I think that the, with the with the sort of thing of like Fallout and uh, not Fallout, uh, Fall Guys and Among Us, that this is going to be the next new trend. Because let's be honest, the battle royale started as a one-off, and it was suddenly really popular, and they were like, mm. "Oh, we want some of that cash." So I suspect EA and Microsoft and but there's you know they're all working on their own version now, aren't they? Uh, it's kind of like for each sort of multiplayer genre, I guess there's there is the definitive title. It might not be. A most beloved title but like say in um online multiplayer world uh mo morpgs that sort of stuff um you look at world of warcraft and then you've got there were so many other games that tried to be warcraft and it they just fell to the wayside 
And it's, yeah, it's like once one game has hit that, that sweet spot, that, that sweet spot of this is the game people like in this genre, unless you deliver a game that is somewhat exceptional above the norm in that genre, then you're, you're kind of destined to fall to the wayside. It sounds very, it sounds harsh, but looking at the various different games, I mean, when Apex Legends turned up, I already dismissed it as, oh, look, it's another shooter battle royale thing. I mean, yeah, credit to it. It's, it's craft its own little niche audience and so forth. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like every time you see like these different sort of games pop up that are very similar, it's like survival of the fittest, I suppose. And market trends happen. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or, or, or whatever fun crossover you can get in there. Like, you know, Mortal Kombat. We just want old movie characters. There you go. Mm-hmm. Or, or or Fortnite. Can we just put some Marvel characters in? Yeah, sure. Can we put these and, ones? No. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget to dab. I don't think I had a request to dab. I'll double check the stream manager. <laughs> uh you've taken you've taken dab away. Dab's not on there. Oh. Oh, I need to I need to I might need to look into that. No, um, you've, but, you've taken the dab button away, you meanie. <laughs> but on the topic of community, big thank you to Logo is great for gifting a sub to just Mark. So uh, Mark can now give us a roar. So if you do subscribe, you get a lovely little icon that lets you go rah. So if you're looking at the chat right now, you'll see all the rahs popping up there. Everyone's having a roar. Everyone have a roar. Roar, roar, rah, rah. It's like we can do better, but. We can do better. It's like, Ian, you've just delivered a half-assed roar. <laughs> we can do better. Sheep yourself in. There we go. Lovely dumb. Uh, anyway, any further, any further comments on, on the topic at hand? Because I'm keeping on the timer. It's almost time to wrap up for this episode. Uh, just more of these please in the future. I like things simple nowadays. <laughs> And like time, you know, you don't want to waste too much time. You know, I know we're stuck indoors, but stuff to deal with. But, you know, it's just good to have just simple times and have fun. See, you don't have an, don't need to have an overcomplicated game. Keep it simple and they will come and play. I think that is, I think that is the crux of the discussion. If you build it and make it cute, they will come. (laughs) Oh, and, and to sum that all up, I do have an adorable image of both Among Us and Four Guys combined. One of us is an imposter. I think it's red. What? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Oh, out of, out of all the crossover graphics, that's the one that I've laughed at the most. Because it's like, yeah. quite clearly, yes, the Four Guys, the imposter. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> Check yours. Face, I love Fred. <laughs> I just, I just love it as a, like a mechanic. It's like, yeah, you, it, it's sort of, it, it's just such a weird. Oh, it reminds me of so many things from my childhood. So I'm like, how old are the developers? Like, I feel like they are like understanding my generation really well. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
they 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 know what they know how it works. They know they know how to get our attention, and they're doing it just yeah. fine. All right. Anyway, we must call it there. Let me bring this over here so I can look at what I've got to talk about. So sadly, that's all we got time for in this episode of the Big Stomp. Thank you very much for watching. We hoped you enjoyed the show. As always, a big thank you to our wonderful panelists. So and yay, round of applause, everyone. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the, the audience would have done the same as well. But as per tradition, at the end of every show, our guests have the floor to plug whatever they want, and we are going to start with you. New seasons of all of the podcasts I produce, so Real History UK, Binges and Box Sets, and Hustles of Culture will be coming very, very soon to Bungazilla. We have a few in the can. We're just getting edited. Um, so look forward to those people. Lovely. Thank you very much, Harriet. Hello. Talk to the lovely people. <laughs> um, so I have a YouTube channel where I react to these wonderful people here behind me. Um, I've got the last of my rewatch reactions for NSP coming up on Friday. After that, I'm moving on to Starbomb and Twerp. And in between, I'm going to try and uh, do more reaction videos and try. If I can get a gaming setup set up soon, I'm going to try and do streaming, um, hopefully on Twitch. I don't know. Um, but you can find me um, at uh, my URL is youtube.com forward slash mangagirl232. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram on the same username. I do like about more on Twitter nowadays just chatting to many wonderful people on there. So you can find me on there. Lovely. Thank you very Ooh. much. And finally, Lizzie. Oh, me? Uh, yes, so you. I, I basically live here at this point, don't I, And I, <laughs> I'll be here it's on like, Friday. It's like you're part of the team. I know. It's like <laughs> I just set up for everything and you let me on. I, I worry about you sometimes with your choices. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i am going to be here on friday for quiz Smash. uh i am going to lose horribly because it's horror based and i know nothing i also stream every sunday at six here on uh bunkazilla with we are currently working our way through the rest the last bit of dragon age origins dlc and we're probably going to be starting dragon age 2 possibly this sunday so tune in for that i have all over social media i've got facebook i've got twitter i've got my own twitch channel which i don't really do anything at the moment but i'm sure i'll do something and you know click me on i'm in i'm in chat so you can click on me there and come find me <laughs> ah lovely thank you very much let's bring up my little bits thing so with the guest promotions out of the way i'm going to quickly give you guys a heads up of what's coming up on the bunkers of twitch so everything we talk about now on twitch is kicking off at eight o'clock uk time unless we say otherwise so friday is Quiz Smash 4, the Halloween special. Lizzie will defend her crown in a spooky themed version of the quiz. Harriet's also taking part along with two other hopeful contestants. Dress up is encouraged. We're going to have a spooky good time. Oh, you wait till you see what I've got planned. <laughs> oh, you wait till you see I've got the questions. Anyway, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, already mentioned by Lizzie. Lizzie continues Dragon Age here at six o'clock. Uh, Monday, I return to the murderous world of Arlington Grange as I revisit episodes from the classic Cluedo TV game show. So we're on season four. It's the weird one with Joanna Lumley as, as uh, Mrs. Peacock and uh, people like uh, Nicholas Parsons as Reverend Green. It's weird, but it happens. And when one of the weapons is a flamethrower, you know the show is going downhill. <laughs> And yeah, so that's everything coming up on Twitch. YouTube, um, do, do keep an eye on our YouTube channel. It's where you will find Film Raw. We have moved Film Raw over there and we have two new videos every week on the channel where myself 
and Christian R. Allen talk about the latest movie releases across the cinematic spectrum. Uh, we have The Trial of the Chicago 7 coming up, as well as Borat's subsequent movie film uh, over the weekend as well. So do go over, hit the subscribe button, and you'll be updated with every new video as they appear. And obviously, the last content plug for the show, go to the Bunkerzilla website at bunkerzilla.co.uk. There is a monstrous world of content to explore with great articles from the team, as well as a range of awesome podcasts. Also available on all good podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, and also Amazon Music. Thank you very much for joining the Big Stomp. Have a lovely evening. Stay safe and stomp on Monsters of Culture. Stomp on. Adios! Bye! Bye.